0: Hey everyone out there what's going on welcome to screen speak this is the podcast that is all about movies life and so much more i'm jordan anderson this is my podcast and i am very happy that you have decided to come by here and give it a listen today on this fine sunday afternoon that's when i think this is being uploaded but only time will tell anyways on with the show so how is everybody doing how are you all doing today? Are you doing fine? Is everything going okay? Is the weather satisfactory in your area? I'm not sure if that really makes much of a difference to you or not. I know for myself, when it gets a little uh, gloomy, is what I would refer to the weather as being outside today, I admit it does affect my mood from time to time, even my motivation at times, if I'm being honest. but. I just have to keep recording. I got to keep doing it and I have to do it for you. But then you're also probably saying after I said that thought that, hey, this guy hasn't put an episode out for like, I don't know, a couple weeks, almost a month. Why is that? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a good excuse. I feel like I started off like the last five, six episodes with doing that whole thing. But all I will tell you right now, my delightful viewing audience, not viewing, listening audience, I will tell you that consistency is returning the screen speak. Okay, I actually just set a Google reminder for myself to record new episodes of Screen Speak every Thursday evening. That's right, every Thursday is every Thursday evening. I promise I will at least be recording an episode and hopefully releasing it the following day, which would be a Friday. Which I realized detracts from the uh, every Friday and Sunday schedule that I started off with on Screen Speak, but If anyone has listened to any past episodes, you will know that with my now wife uh, that is now back here in the country from Brazil, we got legally married. It's a whole thing. So yes, that happened. Uh, But now I have some time hopefully to even out the rest of my personal life so that I can make room for this. And this screen speak is very important to me. So that is that. Who gives a crap? What is today's episode all about? Well, let me tell you. It's part three of my massive movie collection, which maybe by some it might not be considered massive, but to myself, it is a large collection, and I've made now a couple of different episodes on the movie collection that I have, talking through each of those movies and giving a little bit of insight, and that continues in today's episode. I do want to say before I dive into all the movies I have selected for this episode today, Future episodes will have guests back now that I am starting to get back on a more consistent recording schedule. I'll be able to have people back onto the podcast so that we're not just talking about my movies, but we can do what the format of this show has been before, where I take an individual movie, bring on a guest, and we proceed to talk about said movie and expand upon it with our thoughts and ideas behind it. So that's that. Uh, without any further ado, I'm just going to dive right on into the latest in my movie collection part three for anybody that cares about physical media, likes movie collections, that sort of thing. That's what these episodes are meant to be for. So that's it. I'm going to grab some movies and I'm going to get started. So bear with me here. I'm grabbing a pile right now. Ugh. You know, I realized too when grabbing these that I've been insisting on doing them in alphabetical order, but in actuality, does my audience really care about that? Probably not, but for anybody else that is OCD like me (laughs) and uh, likes to keep their movies in a certain way, uh, maybe you'll appreciate it or maybe not. Okay, I'm going to shut up and uh, start talking about movies. All right, so the first one up today is Happy Gilmore. Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. Uh, I actually just recently watched this with my wife, and she had never seen it before. Doesn't really know much about golf, and I'm not really sure she's going to want to see much about golf after this. I don't think she really liked it, to, to tell you the truth. I don't know if it was that popular for her. I don't think she understood the mad, the angry man-child antics of Adam Sandler in this movie, but... Happy Gilmore by a lot of people here in America, at least, is considered a classic, and that's why I own it. It's it's all in the hips. Okay. Next up, Michael Caine is Harry Brown. Uh, I love this tagline on the front of the Blu-ray. Every man has a breaking point. That's I feel like that's very cliche. Perhaps other ones have that, but eh, I don't know. This, would I say that Harry Brown is a independent film? I think so. It's a really good movie, but it is damn depressing. It is a very depressing movie, and it's a vigilante movie. Not like maybe a movie like Taken or even Kick-Ass, because I guess Kick-Ass is a comic vigilante movie of sorts, but this is a very quiet, somber vigilante movie that I don't think a lot of people really talk about. Uh, I, You know, my older brother and I, we actually make this joke. We have a lot of Very odd movie quotes that we tend to say back and forth to each other. But we always kind of tease Michael Caine in this movie where I say the line where he shoots like this heroin dealer in the knee. And he's like, you you should have taken it to the the hospital. Uh, If anybody's seen that movie, they might understand that. A very obligatory reference. But for others, uh, well, yeah, Harry Brown. It's a good movie and I own it on Blu-ray. Okay, next up. Uh, 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 I'm a what? You're a wizard, Harry. Uh, That would be Harry Potter. I got the 8 film collection here on Blu-ray, so that includes everything from the Sorcerer's Stone all the way up to the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I really like the Harry Potter movies. I do. This would actually be one of the few collections and or movies that I would actually want to upgrade into the 4K format. Uh, I just haven't done it yet because it's expensive to buy movies, let alone the 4k ones. Um, what can I say about Harry Potter? I don't think I've really talked about it on the podcast in depth, but I've read all the books numerous times, like all the films. Uh, but I guess if I'm being honest, I don't really care much about the fantastic beast films. I've seen both of them I know The Secrets of Dumbledore is coming out soon, and maybe that'll be interesting, but those films just haven't really done it for me. I feel like the Harry Potter films are enough for me at the time being, Uh, but maybe that'll change if they can somehow make me interested in the wizarding world again, but for now, Harry Potter will suffice. Ooh. Absolute favorite film of mine, Heat. Heat. If you smell the heat coming around the corner, you got to drop what you're doing in 10 seconds and get the hell out of there. That's uh, a very not correct Robert De Niro impression at all. But Heat is an amazing film. It has incredible chemistry between Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Uh, I think it's Michael Mann's... I I think this is probably Michael Mann's best movie, if I'm being honest. Heat is just a very good movie, and it's almost like the... What do, you, what do you call it? The, the top of the, the cream of the crop when it comes to heist movies, like this movie still is looked at as one of the finest in the heist movie genre. So Heat is an amazing movie. And for anyone that is a heat fan out there, I don't know if you've heard this, but Michael Mann is actually releasing a sequel per se. He is releasing sort of a sequel that he co-wrote with another offer, uh, offer. I can't talk another author that it's called Heat 2, and it is a prequel and a sequel to the movie Heat, and it's a book. And I think it actually comes out later this fall. I have it on my Amazon wish list because I will probably read it. So if you're interested in seeing Heat continue, maybe not on film, but in the world of literature, you can pick up Heat 2. It's available on Amazon for pre-order. Uh, I own He's Just Not That Into You. Let's just have a moment of silence for me saying that out loud. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't, why do I beat myself up on that? Just because it's a romantic comedy, because it has an ensemble cast with like a bunch of pretty people that are all, they're all, it's one of those movies where like all these lives intertwine and intermingle and everybody's beautiful and has, you know, rich, rich people problems with their relationships. Um, you know, I don't know. But I actually like this movie. I think it's one of the smarter ensemble romantic date movie comedies of sorts. And, uh, yeah, I like it. So, whatever. I got Hell or High Water here with Jeff Bridges doing his uh, Rooster Cogburn action. (laughs) Okay, it's not that bad when when he's in the movie. But, Hell or High Water, very, very good movie. Ben Foster is in this movie, and I don't think that guy gets near enough credit. The guy is a scene stealer in just about every movie I've seen him in. I'm actually really excited for him uh, just as an actor because he has this HBO Max movie coming out soon, or HBO film. I don't know why I say Max, but he has this HBO film coming out soon. I just watched the trailer for it today. He's playing a boxer that survived Auschwitz, uh... Crap, I can't think of the title. Somebody think of it and let me know. But he's a tremendous actor, and I really think he should get more praise. And he's terrific in this movie. Uh, along with Chris Prine, he's he's very good in it, too. Okay, I own the help. Um, I'll be real about the help. I appreciate the subject matter. I think it's a unique story, uh, something different. But do I really think I'm going to go back and watch this movie? Uh Probably not. It's just not that rewatchable for me, despite the fact that I appreciate it. But I own it, and there you go. All right, next up, I got Her. And you know what? Just give me a second here, because I just realized I can't really flip-flop these movies around, because it screws with the alphabetical order. So, hang on. Oh, gosh. Hang on. my God. You OCD crazy person. Okay, Her with Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Rooney Mara, uh, Olivia Wilde for some reason gets a credit in this despite being in the movie for all of like two minutes, and Scarlett Johansson as the voice of a robot that breaks your heart. I shouldn't say a robot, she's an artificial intelligence system that makes you fall in love with her voice and even makes you do some kind of strange things with that voice in the bedroom, but... (laughs) I don't know, why why am I being so jokey on this movie? This movie is actually deep. It hits really deep, actually, when it comes to relationships. And I was so pleased when this movie won the Oscar in 2014 for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Extremely well-deserved. And while this movie may not be the easiest watch for some people, just because it does deal with some very real um, issues that can come up in relationships... It is just a very ultimately sweet movie and honest look at uh, relationships and what they could be in the future. So, it's a good movie. <clears throat> Alright. Uh, I got Hidalgo here with Vigo Mortensen. This is an underrated movie, in my opinion. It's a Joe Johnston film. Uh, tells the true story of Frank T. Hopkins that was a distance rider back in the, I want to say like uh, 1800s, like in the wild, wild west time. Uh, he is, he, ha- he has like relationships with like the Indians because his mother was a Native American and he got traumatized from them being all wiped out um, from the Americans at the time that came in and settled his territory that he was at. And anyways, that's, that's more along the backstory of him in that movie, but it's a good movie. It's a fun adventure movie. It's a little bit cliche from time to time. I I could admit that, but if you like period pieces, adventure movies, movies about nature and animals, uh, I think you would like Hidalgo just fine. Uh, I got high fidelity here. John Cusack. This is my favorite John Cusack movie, uh, that I think he's been in. Gross Point Blank is uh, arguably another really good one with him. Uh, also, it was also co-written by, like, the same people that made that. But this is a, this is definitely, like, a romantic comedy for guys. Uh, it's centered around guys, and it's all from their viewpoint when relationships end, and they have to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what the hell went wrong. Uh All the while, it's set to a great soundtrack and great supporting cast with Jack Black, Lisa Monet, or yeah, Lisa Bonet, Lisa Bonet, or yeah, Lisa Lisa Bonnet. I'm not even saying that right. Uh, Joan Cusack's in this as well, as well as an uncredited Tim Robbins in a fantastic cameo-like role. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I really, really enjoy this film. I don't really understand why it didn't do well because I think the special effects are terrific. I think the cast is outstanding. I mean, there's just a terrific, terrific number of people in this movie, including Sam Rockwell, uh, Zoe Deschanel, uh, Martin Freeman, Mose Def. Uh, I forgot that Warwick Davis is in this. He does all the, um, robot movements, I think of what the hell is the robot's name? I can't even think of it. He's the depressed robot that's voiced by the late, great Alan Rickman. Uh, But I just, I really, really appreciate the imagination behind this movie. And while I do realize it's based off of a book that I'm sure maybe, maybe that's why the movie didn't do so well is because there's some people that are like, oh, the book was way better than the movie. And I appreciate when that viewpoint comes up, but at the same time, I don't know. It's like the book is always going to be better than the movie because you're the director in your head. Everything is exactly the way you want it to be and the movie is never going to be able to word for word get the same dialogue, mood, and everything as the as the book does. While well, there are exceptions to that though. There are ones that do it better than others. Is maybe what I'm trying to say. But even if you haven't read the book, Uh, or if you have read the book, I still feel like it's a very solid effort um, at taking a beloved science fiction franchise and putting it on the big screen. I enjoy this movie and also wanted to say so long and thanks for all the fish. Okay, I got Home Alone 1 and 2, the John Hughes movies, or not, sorry, Why You know, that's... Oh, okay. It said from John Hughes. I was going to say, that's a little deceiving to say they're from John Hughes. When Chris Columbus directed both the movies, John Hughes wrote and produced them. Now, that said, Home Alone 1 and 2 are the only ones that I acknowledge as part of the canon. God, is that even... I feel like that's pathetic to say the canon of the home alone verse does like good Lord, because there's like three and four and then there's that terrible reboot that they did for Disney plus that I'm pretty sure bombed pretty sure. Not a lot of people like that, but I can't talk crap about it because I have not seen it, but Anyway, Home Alone and Home Alone 2, they're Christmas classics. I really like the both of them. I've seen them countless times and I enjoy watching them every time. So they live, they, they hold up and they are, they're fun, fun movies for the whole family. All right. I got a Studio Ghibli film here. How about that? For all you anime nerds out there. I got Howl's Moving Castle. This is from the Academy Award-winning director. I think he's an Academy Award-winning director. Hayao Miyazaki. Um, This is a very interesting movie. And I'm not really somebody that even really likes anime all that much. But i got to admit, Hayao Miyazaki is a genius when it comes to his directing style for animation. The animation style itself is gorgeous and beautiful. And there's also a terrific voice cast in this movie that includes the likes of Christian Bale, uh, Billy Crystal's in this, uh, who else is in this that people would know, Uh, Emily Mortimer, she's good, and uh, oh, Josh Hutcherson, I think that's that guy in one of the Hunger Games movies, or something along those lines, I don't know, but it's a very uh, fantastical tale. And I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than that. I think it's a good movie and check it out sometime. We got I Love You Man. Did I put this back in its case? I sure did. I Love You Man, Paul Rudd, Jason Segel. This is one of the few movies I've ever seen that actually understands what a bromance is. And it's unique in that aspect because I don't really know a lot of other movies that focus on that aspect of having a good friend while also... Uh, having to be a good partner to your significant other. But, let's be real, bros before hoes. Right? <clears throat> I don't know. That's probably what the single people say. I got iRobot. Will Smith. Ooh. Am I allowed to say Will Smith's name now after that slap heard around the world? Uh, okay. I guess this would be inevitable. I pulled out a Will Smith movie. It's actually... I have a couple of Will Smith movies in my collection, so this is bound to happen at some point. Should I give... Should I give my opinion about the slap heard around the world? Um, I'll give a little bit because I don't want to go too into it because quite frankly, ever since it happened, I feel like it's been analyzed to death from just about every media outlet that's out there, including YouTubers and other uh, personalities on on those entertainment mediums. So I don't really want to go too into it, but what I will say is this. Uh, what I will say, Will Smith, uh, that was stupid. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Uh, I did not like what happened at all. Uh, the, the word that comes to mind is that the whole entire thing was very shameful. I felt that Will Smith overreacted massively to a pretty tame joke. Now I understand that that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has that alopecia, uh, which I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on that. I do know that it is a condition that results in hair loss as as a byproduct of it, and I don't wish anybody pain or suffering that is going through something like that. But I mean, it's a joke. It's it's a joke. You know, if you're at the Oscars, you're going to be subjected to jokes. That's part of the reason people watch, is because there's been hosts over the years that make jabs at people in the audience based off their appearance or based off a movie they were in or what have you. And at the end of the day, it's a joke. It's a joke. You know the context that you're in for it. It's a joke. I don't think there was any malicious intent behind Chris Rock doing that. So. The fact that Will Smith got up and slapped him on national television and then cursed him out uh, twice from his seat, it was just very beneath him, I felt. And while he was reacting emotionally, I just feel like a man of his stature <clears throat> and, and years should just have known better. It was just a bad move um, all around. And I I hope that it doesn't completely ruin his career because I've enjoyed a number of Will Smith movies and I'll probably continue to enjoy his movies. I, I can separate the art from the artist, but it was a mistake, I feel like, on his part. Uh, could Chris Rock have known better and been a little bit more sensitive? Sure, but at the same time, If you kind of go down that road of like him trying to make not insensitive jokes, if you're performing in front of a huge theater like that, let alone one that's being performed on national television, there's no way that you can say a a joke without it uh, possibly offending somebody. There's just too many people in the human race to try to make everybody happy with that. So I just say, know the context that you signed up for, act like an adult, don't slap someone on national television and curse them out because violence is not a good response to that. And uh, yeah, just take it in good stride. uh, You know, like the only time, the only time I, I would maybe condone Will Smith doing like something like what he did Would be if Chris Rock just like openly and maliciously said like, hey, baldy, or, you know, said some crack like that and was like, you could clearly tell that he was trying to be nasty. That's another story. And that's a different conversation. But for this, he didn't do anything that harmful. So it's like, grow up, Will Smith. Um, That's that's what I got to say about that. But... All the same, I I hope and wish the best for him, Chris Rock, anybody that was involved with that, because I think at the end of the day, we all just want to move on from it so that we can focus on the movies that we love and not stupid drama that happens unexpectedly at the Academy Awards. All right. That's all I got to say about that. But in the meantime, iRobot, it's a... Really, really enjoyable movie. Very rewatchable, I might say. It's from the director of Dark City, which is another science fiction movie that I think I actually maybe talked about in an earlier episode of this. I don't know. I've talked about a lot of movies over this, so who knows? But yeah, iRobot. It's a fun movie, and don't trust those robots. Uh, I got inception blah, blah, blah. that's the joke that kept happening when this movie came out is people decided to just keep cracking on Hans Zimmer on Hans Zimmers Hans Zimmers super bassy score but inception I think at this point you could say it's a classic uh, fantastically original movie with a great cast, a lot of great set pieces and uh, amazing acting and direction all around. Uh, I got The Incredibles. Pixar's The Incredibles. Uh, I what, what can I say about this movie? I, I like it. I've seen it a handful of times. It's not one that I overly rewatch, but I enjoy it for what it is. And I did also enjoy the sequel, too, though not as much as the original. <clears throat> oh, another Will Smith movie. Welcome to Earth. Or I should say, welcome to the 4K of Independence Day. It's a fantastic Roland Emmerich movie. It's arguably one of his best in the disaster genre that he is basically the king of. And uh, yeah, I really like it. Except I, I got to admit, the sequel is pretty trash. Just uh, word, of, word of warning, don't watch the sequel if you don't have to. Okay, I got Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And the next one up here, which I'm just going to grab. Let me actually grab the next pile here and I'll keep going. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, you might be asking, hey, Temple of Doom is missing from there. What's going on there? And here's what I'd have to say to that. I don't really care about the Temple of Doom. Mostly because I just didn't like uh, what was it short round is that his name? He always kind of annoyed me when I was younger and watching the movie, and I just always liked the first and third one better. I own the fourth one because I think I may have like thought it was okay for like the Area Fifty One stuff. I thought that was a unique angle, despite a lot of people hating that. Um, so yeah, I just I don't really like Temple of Doom that much. Maybe there is something wrong with me, or maybe I need to give it a rewatch. It has been a minute, so. There's that. <clears throat> I got *Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino film with Brad Pitt, uh, hunting down some Nazi. Uh, great movie. I heard that the 4K of that movie came out recently to pretty much all-around critical disappointment. They said it just wasn't a very good transfer, so for any of you physical media fans out there, I would steer clear from that one if the reviews are accurate, which, un- unless I'm mistaken, they seem to be. But... The Blu-ray is still good, and it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, so I feel like if nothing else, you'll probably be entertained and remember it, because his movies are pretty memorable. Uh, I got Inside Man, with Denzel and Clive Owen, and Jodie Foster. Um, This is one of my favorite Spike Lee films. It's a really, really clever heist film, has a lot of twists and turns, and it's just a great kind of sort of cat-and-mouse bank heist thriller, I guess. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, I had to take a sip there of the H2O. Okay. I gotta get serious for a second because this is one of my favorite movies. I know I say that a lot on here, but this one is. <clears throat> I have Into the Wild. Um, this movie, this movie speaks to me on a lot of different levels, and I feel like this is a movie that Definitely needs to have its own dedicated episode because there's a lot that I could say about it. But what I'll say for it right now is that it's a beautifully written and directed movie by Sean Penn. I think it has one of the best ensemble casts that I can recall in in movies. General, generally speaking, <clears throat> I think Emil Hirsch. It's it's by far the best performance he's turned out in a movie. And I just think, as far as a true story goes, it's a fascinating one that's beautiful, endearing, and also heartbreaking. Um, You know, a man that seemingly has, has it all from a financial perspective, has a bright future in front of him, decides to drop everything in his life and live off of very simple means and live off the road and not work and just travel around and live off of nature and experience nature. I think there's just a lot of, things that the story of Into the Wild speaks to when it comes to being alone, uh, the benefits of nature, not worrying about material possessions, but at the same time, it comes with a price. Um, so this movie just has so many interesting themes that are explored in it, and like I said, it's got a great cast, great performances all around, has a phenomenal score. Uh, Eddie Vedder from from Pearl Jam helped write a lot of the songs that are in this movie, and yeah, it's uh, it says it right on the front here. Um, Roger Ebert said that this was a spellbinding film, and that's, yeah, that's uh, pretty well put. So there you go. <clears throat> uh, Interstellar. We got a. Uh, uh, this is Matthew McConaughey here. How's it going, everybody? Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, So I just got to go in the space and save the human race because all we're going to eat is corn for the rest of our lives. Um, That was the worst Christopher Nolan. uh, Gosh, I said Christopher Nolan impression. Christopher Nolan is British and and that's not a good impression either. In fact, I should have just scrubbed the last minute of this shit that just came out of my mouth. But nope, I'm going to keep going. I got Interstellar on 4K. This is one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films. I think Hans Zimmer, this is my favorite score that he's put out in his career. Uh, did win best music, I think, and also won the Academy award for visual effects and rightfully so. Um, but this is just an epic, epic movie that harkens back to the greats, like 2001, a space odyssey. It's almost like a modern day telling of that movie in a way. Uh, But I really, really love this movie. Matthew McConaughey delivers one of his best performances I've seen. And there's just so many awe-inspiring moments in this movie and movies that challenge you and your imagination. And for those reasons alone, I love it. (coughs) I got The Island, uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. This is an underappreciated Michael Bay film. Um, It just has a lot of visual flair to it. Um, The cast is also great. Um, Sean Bean plays the villain to perfection in this movie. And did I say... Well, I said it was a visually visually eye-pleasing movie. But it also just has some great Michael Bay action as only Michael Bay can do it. So, if you haven't seen The Island, I would... I would give it a watch. I feel like it's like the, the popular thing to crack Michael Bay and is over the top action, but in a movie like this, it serves him well. So check out the Island. All right. <clears throat> I have the 4k for it, uh, it part one, not part two. I should probably get part two, but I almost feel like I would just be fine watching the part one with the clown and the kids uh, enjoyably creepy movie, very disturbing. And I don't like clowns <clears throat> into the blue, Paul Walker, Jessica Alba. I actually have talked about this, uh, at length with my mother of all people. She loves this movie. It's an earlier episode of the podcast. So check it out. If you want to hear my, my thoughts and my mother's thoughts on into the blue, I have, it follows. This is a really creepy and simple premise for a horror film. It's an independent film, and it is, yeah, it's pretty disturbing, and it will make you think twice before doing the dirty deed. So, there you go. Uh, I have The Italian Job here. This is the remake of the Michael Caine movie with Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, Edward Norton, Jason Statham, and Sub. I don't think anybody calls Donald Sutherland Sub, but I have decided to dub him Sub. So, there you go. Uh, What can I say about this movie? I really like the score from John Powell. Um, great composer. I think he actually did the music for How to Train Your Dragon in those movies. But I enjoy the score. I think it's a very fun movie to watch. Uh, it's a, just a very fun, kind of fast and loose heist film. I seem to, I've talked about a couple of heist films in this collection, so I must like them. And what else can I say about this? Edward Norton plays a douchebag to perfection in this movie. So... That's that. Okay. I actually have the Irishman. Yes. It's not just on Netflix. There is a physical copy of it. Uh, Only the criterion edition of it, if I'm not mistaken. So this is the director approved Martin Scorsese Blu-ray. Unfortunately, they did not have a 4K for this. I would have certainly bought it if it was. Uh, But even looking at this, I want to say, yeah, This, this Blu-ray is supposed to be a new 4k digital master that's approved directly by Martin Scorsese utilizing Dolby Atmos, uh, soundtrack, which if you're a physical media nerd, like me, Dolby Atmos is like cream of the crop for sound quality. So it's very, very good. Um, the Irishman may not necessarily be my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, but it's certainly a hit, um, on a lot of different aspects. Like it works on a lot of different levels. But I think what I enjoy about this movie the most is it's quiet commentary that it has on getting older and having to live with the decisions and actions that you've done in your life for the rest of your life. Um, There's really something powerful about that. And I also really love this from the, um, for the performance of Joe Pesci. It's not your typical Joe Pesci that you're used to seeing in previous Scorsese films uh very menacing but quietly done so uh great movie great movie the irishman i know it's long but just just give it a chance maybe even watch it twice if you have the time uh yeah it sticks with you sticks with you it's a, it's a lingerer uh i got iron man the one that started it all the one that started the mcu I don't have Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. Uh, I do have those Avengers movies and whatnot, but the first Iron Man, I, I don't really feel like I need to own Iron Man 2 or 3. Iron Man 2 goes a little too over the top for me. Iron Man 3 has a stupid villain, but Iron Man 1, it's still very, very good, so I have that. <clears throat> all right, Inside Out, a movie that's all about your feelings and what they mean. Uh, RIP Bing Bong. He, he will be missed in our imagination. Okay, Inside Out. It's a good movie. Good movie. All right. I need to grab more movies. I got more. That's right. We're not done. Okay. I'm grabbing more. (laughs) Let's see. All right. I have Jacob's Ladder. This movie, I have also talked about this on the podcast. It messes with you. This is one of those movies where, like, I, I'm pretty sure I've only seen it once and it's like whole runtime. And I don't think I ever want to watch it again unless I was with somebody and they compelled me to watch it because it's that disturbing of a movie. It really messes with your head uh, and has some of the most creepiest visual imagery I think I've ever seen in the movie. So you've been warned. Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Snoochie boochies. Uh,. I, I really like, a, I like me a good Kevin Smith movie from time to time. This is one of his best when he was arguably in the prime of his career. Has, again, great ensemble cast, and it's just a really good time. Not a movie that you take seriously at all. And, you know, there's a lot of swearing and cursing and whatnot, but damn it, it's a fun, fun time. But up, but up, but up. I just got bit by a shark Jaws I got Jaws on 4K If you are a film fan Jaws is probably in your top favorite movies Just because there's so many Iconic things that this movie did For the movie industry It was a game changer When it comes to the summer movie industry And has Bruce the mechanical shark That doesn't work There's a lot of great stories Around the making of Jaws but what I will say is that this 4K restoration, the studio, Universal, they took their time making this one. And there's actually some really great behind the scene featurettes on this 4K that show the painstaking process that they went to to clean everything up on this movie frame by frame and restore it to its finest quality from the original film stock. So if you have any interest in that, I'd say the movie's actually worth purchasing just to learn more about how that process works. But if nothing else, too, it's just a really fantastic transfer of an older film that'll definitely go on to live for years and years to come. Hang on here. I'm a little thirsty. Okay. Uh, I got Jerry Maguire. You had me. Uh, Hello. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Tom Cruise doesn't sound anything like that. Show me the money! Uh, That that scene does put a stupid smile on my face every time because it's so over the top, but it's so lighthearted and funny and sweet. And great movie. Cameron Crowe. I know that he messed up on that movie Aloha, I think it was, but I think he's a terrific writer and director, and I'd love to see him do more stuff. I'll pretty much go to see anything he does if his name is attached to it. And Jerry Maguire no exception. It's a pretty good romantic feel-good movie. Alright. I got Joker in 4K. This is the one that got Joaquin Phoenix the Oscar. It's a pretty dark movie. Pretty twisted. But it's also pretty good. And it has something to say about the decaying... <sighs> Do I want to say decaying mental state in people? Yeah, maybe. But... It's a very, very twisted movie. I should watch this again. Okay. Uh, I do like the scene in the movie. It's very darkly cynical, but funny, where he's like, Okay, I gotta punch out! And then like he beats the shit out of the clock on the wall until it falls off and probably breaks his wrist doing that. Uh, it's very messed up, but I gotta admit, I laughed at it when I saw that in the theater. So, there you go. Okay, I'm gonna rattle off some John Wick movies. I got John Wick in 4K. John Wick 2 on Blu-ray. Don't know why I don't have the 4K. And John Wick 3 uh, Parabellum on 4K. Uh, I really like the John Wick movies, though I will admit that now they're definitely veering into the territory of turning into Fast and Furious and or uh, just the territory of being a little too over the top because it's like the first one's great. It's a simple premise. I don't think they were anticipating to make... A whole franchise around it. It's just a very simple, easy action movie that's done well and done with care from people that have been in the stunt community for years. The second one, it does a very good job at building ever so slightly off the lore that's established in the first one. It makes it over the top just enough, but doesn't go too much uh, off the original. And then the third one, the third one is where I start to argue that they're getting a little dangerously close to it being just almost crazy where it's like, what can kill this guy? Like, apparently nothing can because he just can blow through like 200 dudes, like just kill them all and he can still survive. Uh, so it's like, I really like these movies. I I really have enjoyed them thus far. I enjoy all three of them. I do. But I worry that if they continue it for too long, it's just going to lose what makes it special. So I hope I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be fine when John Wick 4 comes out and whatever. They, I know they have a spin-off series with Mel Gibson planned on the Continental. Maybe that'll be good. I just... Just don't go too much with it. It's like, just like stick with what works on it. And if it does need to end, just end it organically and don't just keep it going. Because I don't think anybody really wants to see that. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Jumanji. Uh, what year is it? The year to continue on with this episode. Uh, Jumanji's great. And actually, actually, yeah, I want to give a quick shout-out to... where Where is it at on here? Yep. James Horner. I love the score for this movie. I listen to it on my Spotify often. So, there you go. Uh, Jurassic Park. I only own the first one. I feel like I need to own... I don't want to say all of them. I like Jurassic Park, the first one. I even like the lost world and I can even passively watch Jurassic park three and not completely hate myself. It's once I get onto Jurassic world, Jurassic world, fallen kingdom, those two have not worked for me at all. And I know the new ones coming out, the, I can't even think of the name of it, but it's bringing back all the original cast, which is probably the main reason most people are going to watch it. I don't have a lot of faith, but I guess I can always go back and just watch the first Jurassic park and appreciate uh appreciate it for what it is. It's a really fun movie with dinosaurs. Dino DNA. Uh, I got Kangaroo Jack on DVD. There is not, I don't think there's a Blu-ray of this, and there's certainly not a 4K. Uh, I really enjoy this movie. There is some really stupid elements of it, and it's a very, I feel like it's a very rushed movie because it's not very long. It's 89 minutes, uh, and so there's definitely some plot conveniences and things that happen in the movie, but Jerry O'Connell and Anthony Anderson have a lot of fun chemistry for me in the movie, and I don't know. It's just fun. Uh, I think this is a fun a fun movie. And fun fact, uh, my personal, personal pet, I don't know why I refer to him as a personal pet, but Waffles... Uh, he was my childhood cat growing up and had him at the age of 13. He actually sadly passed away this year. We had to put him to sleep. It was very sad. But he was named actually on, on on part because of Kangaroo Jack, because the character of Anthony Anderson has a dog in the movie named Waffles, and I just thought that was super funny. And then when I saw my cat, Waffles, I was like, that's Waffles like from Kangaroo Jack. So Kangaroo Jack, Waffles would not have been Waffles without you. And that is why I appreciate you. It's probably a little bit bit on the nostalgic side, but eh, I'm just being honest. Uh, I got Keeping the Faith. This is actually another movie that there's no Blu-ray for or 4K. This is an Edward Norton directed movie. I think it was his first movie at the time that he has directed. I wanted to see that new movie he directed, Motherless, uh, Motherless Brooklyn. I heard that was good. He plays like a detective with Tourette's. I, I'm not sure, but this is a this is a fun romantic comedy. It goes on a little too long. That's my only critique with it. It you know just kind of keeps going for a little bit, but it's a good story about two men that decide to pursue careers in the faith. They uh, Ben Stiller becomes a rabbi, uh, Edward Norton becomes a priest, and they get into a bit of a love entanglement with an old childhood friend that was a little bit teasy for both of them and. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Fun movie. Uh, Nice. Uh, King Kong on 4K. This is the ultimate edition. What does the ultimate edition mean? It means that it includes the extended and theatrical versions. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I saw it in theaters, I think, three or four times, despite people complaining about the length. But I just... I don't know. The movie justified the length for it to me. Some people would complain and probably still do saying that the movie doesn't even start for like an hour because they spend a long time building up the characters and getting them actually to skull island but i like movies that take time developing their characters i i don't really care and i will stand by this argument till probably the end of time in that if a movie is a really good movie it can be two hours it can be one hour five hours The length doesn't really necessarily matter as long as it serves the story ultimately. And I don't think that Peter Jackson made this an overly bloated movie. I liked a lot of the stuff that's in this movie. And the two memories that I have primarily from watching this movie is one, you have that disgusting death scene with Andy Serkis getting literally like swallowed by worms. It is gruesome. I get, like, na- I get, like, chills just even talking about it right now. It's just so sick, and it's one of the most memorable gross deaths I've seen in the movie. Uh, so, yeah, spoiler alert, Andy Serkis dies in the movie. But he also does the motion capture work for the ape. So, I guess in a couple of ways he dies. He dies as the cook getting eaten by the worms. And he dies as King Kong because, let's face it, King Kong is a story from the 30s. We know what happens when he climbs to the top of that Empire State Building. Let's just say he doesn't stay up there. Um, oh, and I have one more story I got to share about this movie. So this was the first time that I saw it in the theater. I still remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, I was, I think I was alone and I was watching the movie and we get to the climax of the movie. You know, we're King Kong. He's climbed to the empire state building. You have those planes that are trying to shoot him down. You know, he's got nowhere else to go. It's, it's a losing battle. He, the ape is going down. And right at the moment where the last bullets get through to him and he lets go of the building and he's falling to his death and like it's it's very it's very powerful, it's very emotional. A lady's cell phone goes off in the like literally at that moment. And I think it was like some obnoxious ringtone. It wasn't even like a default one, it was just some like bang. Like something really stupid and idiotic that took everybody out of the movie. And you could literally hear the audience just groan. They were like, oh, when the lady's phone went off. But what made it worse is she picked it up. Yep. She picked it up. And I I don't want to do the imitation too bad. But like, I'll just say that she was saying like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah, the monkey, he, he he's going down. He's going down. I could do the imitation a lot worse than that, but I won't. Um, but this lady was just being absolutely obnoxious. People were telling her to shush. I think I even heard a couple, like, shut up"s like, come out of people. And she just, I don't know if she actually even went out to the lobby. I don't think so. I, ugh, I don't think I've seen a lot of people actually get kicked out for being disruptive asses like that. But, uh, so yeah, the ending of King Kong got ruined for me the first time I watched it by an idiot with their cell phone. But, in the meantime, it's a good movie. And well worth watching and owning on 4K. I got a Knight's Tale. Heath Ledger, um, very, very good. What else do I want to say about it? I like the use of Queen and the modern soundtrack with it. Sort of different. And Rufus Sewell plays a good jerk. Knocked Up. Um... I saw this movie in the theater with my mother. Can you imagine that? I think I was like 16, 15, or 16 years old at the time. She gave me the talk afterwards, told me not to get anybody pregnant. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Knocked Up. All right, I have a few more movies here. Actually, Actually, I just have one other movie. I did have a few others set aside in this pile here, but... Uh, I do have some things to take care of after this episode is done, so I'm going to have this movie be the last one that I talk about, and then I'll wrap this up. I got K-Packs here with uh, Kevin Spacey and Jeff Bridges. Uh, I really, 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 really enjoy this movie, and... Let's just get this out of the way right now. I'm not gonna say whether or not I support Kevin Spacey and like all the things that he's been accused of and all that. I'm just talking about the movie okay as a mo- as far as a movie goes, it keeps you guessing it's original it's unique. I think both Kevin Spacey and Jeff Bridges as far as performances go give very good performances. And in particular, I, again, I'm going to talk about the music of a movie because it stands out to me when it stands out. K-Pax has a terrific score and I'm looking at the back of the movie right now here to see, uh, who the composer of this is. I can never remember off the top of my head. Uh, Edward, uh, Edward Schirmer, Schirmer. I don't, I don't know how to say her name, Edward, but I've listened to the score for K-Pax several times. Uh, I really, really, really enjoy uh, the movie, and I guess it's based on a novel by an author named Gene Brewer. So I may need to look that up and add it into my Amazon wish list because I feel like this would actually be a really enjoyable book. Um, it's an inter- It's just a. It's just a super compelling, interesting movie about a man that seemingly pops up that claims he's from another planet. And the entire movie just keeps you guessing and makes you wonder, okay, is this guy actually an alien from another planet or is he just an insane mental patient that is going through some issues? And I, I just – I don't want to say too much other than that this is one of those movies where like ambiguity is kind of one of the things that makes it work. Um, you're either going to buy into the concept or you might not, you may believe he's an alien. You may believe he's not an alien and you're not necessarily wrong in one argument or the other. So at least that's my interpretation of this movie is that you can sort of interpret it for a couple different things. Ultimately myself, I'll tell you what my thoughts are on the ending of k pax so spoiler, uh, spoiler alert right now, if you haven't seen the ending of K-Pax, I'm going to talk about it for a minute. So at the very end of K-Pax, uh, Prote played by Kevin Spacey, he keeps claiming that he has a beam of light to catch so that he can get back to the, his home planet of K-Pax, um, and there's a whole whole bunch of stuff that happened before that that Jeff Bridges thinks that he's going to like commit suicide or do something to himself. Which like that's what he thinks the patient means instead of going back to K Pax and so Jeff Bridges gets there and finds that Kevin Spacey's like hiding under his bed and that he's now basically a vegetable he's like comatose and that the guy that was Pro is seemingly no longer there and what's even more mysterious is that there's a patient that said that that prot said that he was going to take to K-Pax, that could go and travel by the beam of light and she has completely vanished. She is nowhere to be found, just gone, and it doesn't make any sense. So, my theory behind the movie is that this alien um this alien came and took over the I can't remember the actual human's name that was the actual Kevin Spacey body, but I think the alien came from K-Pax, took over his body and used it as a vessel because the guy had a super traumatizing thing happen to him that allowed his brain to shut down to essentially allow him to be taken over. And K Pax or sorry Pro then did what he said he was going to do, which is catch this beam of light and take someone with him. So I think even though that the body of Kevin Spacey was not human, I think this alien still found a way to infect his body. And then leave his body when he said he was going to and use the power of the light or something to take away Bess, the patient. So I actually think he was an alien or that an alien was inside of him, but that he was just using um, the body that Kevin Smith or not Kevin Smith, that Kevin Spacey was um, to just basically serve as a vessel so that he could study the planet. So I think there was an alien component to it. I don't just think he was a mental patient. Um, I think there was an alien component to it, so that's that's just my viewpoint. Um, but this is one of the great things about this movie is that you can watch it and have your own opinion, and it's totally fine. So do that. Okay, I'm going to stop at the letter K on here. So I still have more movies to talk about, more content coming, but that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Screen Speak. Um, I really sincerely do appreciate everybody that continues to stick with the podcast and continues to listen to it. I hope you're enjoying the content. If there's ever anything I can do to make the content more enjoyable for you, uh, doing that voice, I don't think is going to help do do please. I don't want, why am I saying do, 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 I don't know. This is the sign that I've been talking for too much or for too much. Okay can you hear the overthinking in my voice sometimes it's like why are you overanalyzing it like that just go it's fine (sighs) all right i've been talking non-stop for just about an hour so i'm gonna let you all go i hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and i will catch you all on the next episode of screen speak so until then take care keep watching movies and keep being awesome and have a great week